Paul Pringle is in, by the way, he says again. Oh, no, it's not. It's your microphone there. Okay, take take the mic off like your Frank Sinatra here. There should be a toggle switch on it. I bet that needs to go up. It needs to go on. There you go. Amazing. It wasn't your fault. When you flip the switch on. There you go. We will get started at some point. I just fell off in my lap. I'll do the forecast while he gets organized there. Uh, and that wasn't his fault, by the way. Overnight low should drop down to 28 degrees tonight, and uh, which is about normal. Uh, for the rest of the week, Wednesday, partly cloudy and 44. Thursday, uh, by the way, Wednesday night, overnight low 15. And then Thursday, 27. So winter is back. And then Friday, 43. Saturday, 65. Sunday, 45. Monday, 47. Just typical stuff all over the place. But nothing too dramatic. But high today should top out about 61. We're at 35 degrees downtown. Your hour by hour, by noon or so, it should be uh, close to 50 degrees. So that's a pretty nice day. Can't beat that. Yeah. So how you been? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And move that down a little bit little there. Bit, Make sure we we'll, get We'll lots. get this microphone right at some point. Yeah. And then we're going to make him sing. There you go. So. You don't want that. No, I'm good. I have so, breaks all over town. It's nice to be back. Uh, traffic was very light yeah. when I came in. Yeah. Although I managed to hit four lights or something like that. Right. I think I have eight that I go through. And, uh, and there have been days where I hit all eight green. Yeah. But not very many. Yeah. Well... Just kind of depends on the day, I guess. So, uh, but I hit a lot of uh, the red ones today, so I got to read lots of signs. And stuff, <laughs> so. Anyway, but good to see you. Off to a new year here. Yes, so. happy new year. I think last time I saw you was um, you were speaking to city council, I believe. Probably, yeah. It seems like I do that quite a bit. And you just giving them were you giving them an update on on where you've been, where you're going? Is that basically what you do when you do that? Uh, it depends. A lot of times, there's just some. Uh, we have so much going on with grants and uh, in and out. And then, of course, you have to go for, um, for example, when we go for a grant uh, through the FAA or wherever, we have to first get council blessing to do that. We do okay. that through a resolution. And all that does is it allows the council time to review that that measure and make sure that uh, from the city's perspective, because a lot of, like, for example, a lot of our grants that we get are 90 percent. 10%. So you get 90% funded by the okay. federal government and then 10% is local. Well, the last thing we want to do is obligate ourselves for that 10% and not have that 10% available. And Give so, us a, size, a typical size of a, a grant. Um, that would well, vary. That's probably you know, the fair. typical size, I'm going to be honest with you, um, typically one, two million dollars a year. Uh, but Stillwater has been very fortunate over the last four years or so. We're getting, well, this grant that we've gotten, this multi-year grant we've gotten for our apron, which we're just starting the right. final phase, is over six million dollars a year. And so... So when you say the 10%, you're, you're asking them for a $600,000 commitment. Usually, right? yes. Okay. Now, we've been very fortunate... Over several uh, years. The last two... So we've had three phases of the apron. The first phase, which was our north phase, we, it was the, the pure 90 slash 10% break. And so that was back three years ago. And then the south apron, which was our next phase, um, just happened to fall during corona. And part of this corona relief bill that went out, uh, the CARES Act, uh, paid for 100% of that grant as part of the relief. Same for the center. So the center, we just started is also at 100%. So we've been very fortunate. We couldn't have asked for, obviously, we don't like COVID and we don't like those negative impacts. But in terms of the federal, 
federal relief, federal relief part, we really lucked out on timing because yeah. we ended up getting our 10% match covered for two substantially large grants. And so, um, but typically it's a 90-10 split. Uh, that's just your federal government deal. And so um, I'm, I'm not sure last time I was there, I don't, I'm there so much, I don't remember what the last one was, but uh, we're preparing already for our, uh, we're in FY, I guess it would be 22 for the government, the federal government cycle starts a little bit later than our city government fiscal year. And so um, we've got a, about a million dollars coming this year um, through our what we call our entitlement grant every year because of our commercial air service. Um, we get a million dollars on top of if there's any discretionary. Is that money. earmarked for, for particular things or do you make the it, choice? It has to be. Obviously, we have to plan it out. And so we have enough needs for the next 10 years that that money sure. is going to be planned out. But for this this upcoming uh, fiscal year, we're we're We've got the master plan, which was divided into two years, um, funding-wise, and so uh, the, the back half of that's going to be funded, um, and so that's about a two-year process, anyways, and so it's just going to fill in the the back part of it. We're also got um, about almost five hundred thousand dollars to buy two new snow brooms. Uh, our current snow brooms that we use, which are the big. The last time I asked you to describe a snow broom, I never asked a guest that before. Well. They're, they're just really large pieces of equipment. They're truck or tractor pulled, but they're self-contained. They have a motor. They have uh, big old wide, I think they're 14-foot brushes, and then they have a blower on the back. Ours are 1988 models. They were actually retired from Tulsa International Airport and then gifted over to uh, Bartlesville, where ConocoPhillips used them. They retired them, and then we bought them. So they're twice retired. We bought one for parts and one to use, and our magicians at our city garage were able to get the second one running. And of course, as we know, the last two years, we've had a pretty significant winter, and so we've really, really needed them. And so how much is a new snow broom? They are roughly... Anywhere between two hundred eighty-five and three hundred thousand dollars a piece, and so we're hoping um, to be able to get two this year. We're going to see where bids come in. Uh, we're we're preparing here in the next probably two months. We'll go out to bid. We won't get them for this season, and we knew that, but uh, we'll get those. Those are probably our biggest things we're looking forward to. And then the the other part of that million dollars is going to go towards some electrical upgrades. Um, over the years, we've been working to uh, change over our airfield lighting to LEDs and so we've gotten all the airfield except for the main runway and so this will transition the main runway to LEDs um, it'll also we've got some other needs that uh, some regulators that are 20 30 years old that need to be replaced and we're and the new beacon um, our current beacon is original to the airport 1940 something um, in fact it's so old it got hit by lightning a couple of years ago and when the electrician came out they said you realize that the the wire is paper coated and we're like no and so um uh, it's it's really on its last leg and it's an essential piece of an airport obviously so pilots can see where the airport is so so um, the beacon is 70 years old over 70 years old yes yeah it's, you can't say you're not getting the most out of 80, your stuff 80 Paul. years old 1940 ish so almost 80 years old yeah so so yeah it's um um it's um 
well well past due to, to replace that and so there's just a lot of those little electrical things that add up for example there's a, a strobe system at the end of the runway that just marks the end of the runway it's called the run runway end identifying lights it's just strobe lights right sequence strobe lights so that in foggy or right. dense weather the pilots can say oh there's the threshold of the runway those went out last year they're twenty five thousand dollars to replace we can't just make that money obviously and so we put that in with our grant as well so there's just a lot of because they're older just being able to try to replace that now, when you say when you say we because you're the director of the airport right you're the guy in charge but you do have a board right that you answer to that, that does city recommendations council. city, city council, council is your board yeah. then yeah okay so we that's have, the same thing okay so we have a we have an advisory board uh that's appointed by city council and it's really uh its essential purpose is to help the airport staff and council make decisions on more policy related type things like for example right would they be some like former pilots or current pilots there's a mix of all kinds on there we've got uh some that are pilots some that are just uh community members um we have try to have a representation of, of you know people that are it, they have to be interested in it because it is a, um, there, for example, right now, we are in the process of updating our minimum standards. Uh, minimum standards in real short form is for commercial activity that comes in. So whether you're a fixed-based operator that wants to come in and fuel and service aircraft or a mechanic shop or a flight school, what the whole purpose of minimum standards is, is you want everybody to have a fair and equitable um experience both as a business owner you want to know that if you're required to have hours from eight to five that your competitor per per se on the field also has you know that eight to five if i'm required to have insurance and i'm required to have you know this many certified employees or whatever everybody has that on the pilot side or on the user side you want to know that if you're coming to that airport for whatever service that there is a standard that has been set that if I go in and talk to these people, they're they're obviously, you know, at a certain standard as far as they're, you know, they've got the right certifications and they're covered with insurance and all that. And so it's it's not something that's needed very often as far as an update, but ours is are well overdue. It's just to get in it modernized. And so our advisory board, uh, when we met um Right towards the end of the year, I presented them a draft, and it's about, I want to say, they're about 40 pages of standards. And then we're going to, I've asked them to kind of look over it. When we meet in February, we'll, do, we'll get a draft ready. We'll put it out for public comment. We'll put it out for, you know, for our users and people that would be interested in it. Obviously, we want them to look at it as well. And then it ultimately will be adopted by council at some point, and then that will be our minimum standards. Um, and so we currently have minimum standards, but they were written back in the 80s. And so it's just, again, they're not, they don't outdate very often, but these, when you start looking at them, you're like, yeah, we probably need to get some of those, you know, some of the wording cleaned up. And, well, and let me that. ask you this, because when people take over with, with a new job and, and uh, you know, I know Gary Johnson. I've known him for right. 17 years, something yep. like that. And uh, he's been Citizen of the Year, I think, right. and did yeoman's jo- uh, work out there. Absolutely. And so the respect level you have is automatically there. But when you take over a job, you always look and you go, why? Why? 
Why is this? When you look back and you see that the uh, your beacon is from 1948 or whatever, does that make you look back and say, we've been so responsible here in, in the little that we have to work with sometimes? Yeah. It sounds like you would in the fact that we have made the most, kind of like Oklahoma State uh, has done in the past, in the right. fact that we make the most out of the, uh, of the lease sometimes. Yeah. It sounds like the airport's done that. Well, and, you know, I... Without I, suffering consequences along the way. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, I when I came into this role, I went from a police officer, police supervisor, to an assistant director and to a director within two years' time. Um, and so I, I really had some trial by fire, but I also had some very good leadership and mentorship from our city management level as far as the expectations and one of the things that has just really been driven into me from the top down is the importance of being stewards of taxpayer money right and we look at that and we've talked about this before uh you know when we had to get creative and figure out di solutions for our runway we could have went out and asked for kind of gonna could have went to council and said we need a hundred plus thousand dollars for a sprayer so that we can spray our runways with fluid and that's what the going rate for a di sprayer is if you go out and you look at any airport supply and you say i need a truck or a trailer with a hundred thousand you know or 800 gallon capacity 40 foot booms you know you're going to pay a hundred thousand dollars easily and we also we went out and looked and we said you know what um we can use an ag sprayer and do the same thing and we called and the company you know we called wiley in oklahoma and said hey can you build this to this spec and they said sure why not and for twelve thousand dollars we got a sprayer that we've now used for three years it works flawlessly if it breaks if part of it breaks we can either one call wiley and they ship us apart or we go down to the mill and buy the parts down there and and so um, it's it's not every day that you're able to do that, but it's great when we are. Um, Let me ask you this. Do you think your background in another department sometimes uh, is beneficial to you? Oh, absolutely. Because, because it, I really admire the fact that when you're working on a, you know, okay, how can we save here and get right. the same thing done? Yeah. Because people from different worlds, you know, are from different worlds, and it's like, well, just write a check. Right. And they have no idea where that money comes from yeah. and how hard that money is to come by. Absolutely. And and uh, the one thing you've talked about was uh, uh, also when you're talking about your luggage rack, right? Okay, yep. how are we going to do this? Yep. Well, rather than spend however much it was, you spend a portion of that. Right. And I think I think that's good to get out there because it, we do want people who are stewards of money yeah. like we would be in our own house. And we, we instill that from the top down within our department. And, you know, in fact, sometimes I have to uh, remind my, my supervisors because they'll come in and we kind of have a standing deal. If you come in with a problem, have a solution as well. Don't you know? Obviously, if if they just are lost, we're going to help them get through it. But a lot of times, my supervisors will come in and they'll say, "Hey, we've got this issue," um, and um, you know, we'll look at it and uh, they'll usually present me a couple of options. And sometimes I have to remind them because on the other thing of. I think one of the big things that we get into is deferred maintenance issues, and you know we've we've had some pretty strenuous budget cycles over the last ten or twenty years with the city, and so there were times and there was cultures before that 
let's just get it through till the the next you know next right. budget year and sometimes that fix lasted two years sometimes it's lasted 10 years you know and so uh, you applaud those efforts to at least you know what we thought was going to be a temporary has lasted a little bit longer than what we thought but at some point you've kind of got to strip it all back and just go back and do it right the you know right. the way it needs to be and so sometimes it's just like you get a combination because you're talking about doing that on whether it's the broom or whatever right. it is and sometimes we just have to look at and those are some of the, the tougher decisions to make sometimes because you get into well it's going to cost fifteen hundred dollars to fix this whatever this is you know and it could last you a year or you can spend four thousand dollars and get it completely done right and it's going to last you for ten well if you've got the money to do it, you know, that's that's the big question is, do you have the funds to do it? But usually we're going to opt to do just go ahead and get it done right if we can, because that's going to be our longest term benefit. Sometimes you just got to do what you've got to do to get by. Um, but, um, you know, I'll tell you, I've I've been very uh, gotten a lot of support. You know, anytime I've ever had to go to city management and say, hey, you know, we've got this issue. We need to really resolve this. Uh, um, you know, we, we get the pencil out and we start looking at accounts and, you know, start scrubbing things down. And, and there's been some, you know, some times where you just have to, you know, take something out of one account and move right. it to another. And, and you just sacrifice in one area, but it's usually for the better good of, of the whole department. So it almost uh, puts you in line if, if there's an opening down the road for uh, which there is uh, for city council. Because what you're describing is how we how we do our roads yeah. and everything else. I mean, okay, do you do it right? Yeah. Or do you just uh, ignore this and do this bang-up job over here but ignore other things? And they have to balance that. Absolutely. And, and I've learned a lot just from having folks in, whether it's the mayor or whoever, to well, talk about it. Or Monty Carnes or whoever it is talking say, about. you know, Monty, he's heavily involved in our area as well. You know, he, Monty's our city engineer, uh, director of transportation. And so uh, because of his vast knowledge going back 30-plus years in this industry, he uh, he is very instrumental in helping guide us right. because we have a lot of that. Even though it's runways and taxiways, it's, it's, sure. it's all spec driven, and it's just because the, the specifications are from the FAA. They're, you know, cement is has certain characteristics, and he knows that like the back of his hand. But I'll tell you, uh, we've really uh, leaned on him hard, particularly in the pavement management side of things. And and I know I sit on a couple of committees with the chamber and stuff. One of them, the infrastructure structure committee and, and he's given several presentations about you know the pavement management program and the scores and you know why we will continue to go and go back to let's say one roadway and you know right. after we've already fixed it a year or two later go back and do something else well he's been able to show that the reason as a total, our roads have gotten the way that they have is because there hasn't been that preventative maintenance that, you know, we can go in and we can spend $100,000 a year and recode or redo this road and get, you know, five times more life out of it versus we just 
fix it, we leave it alone, and then in 10 years have to come back and spend $5 million, you know, and so um, whereas, you know, a little bit of preventative maintenance goes a long way, and we do the same thing at the airport. We go out, and you wouldn't think it would be that big of a deal. When you're dealing with 30 inches of concrete, you think, man, that stuff's bulletproof. Well, we have to go out. In fact, last year, um, we started going out with, uh, we had like six of our operations staff with caulking guns walking the 7,400 feet of our runway, caulking little cracks and stuff that develop in our runway because you let water in, it starts getting under the base, you start getting freezing temperatures and all this buckling and expansion and all that. Next thing you know, it's worked its way up to a, a great big problem. So um, it's it's really looking at those little problems and trying to get them fixed to avoid bigger problems. You know, the one thing you said earlier that I really like uh, was the fact that they need to have a solution or at least an idea. Right. Because what we see in every aspect of the world almost is people just griping, right. and then it's but they don't have to deal with the consequences. Exactly. Okay, we can do that, but what? Yeah. Well, if they pretend that's not not part of the issue, then they don't understand the issue, right? And well, so, and it, so you make them think about the uh, the full aspect of it. I think it also makes you for lack of a better word, pick your battles, too. Um, That's because, true. <laughs> yeah. Because it is easy to sit there and, and look around you. And, I mean, I can sit in this room right now, and I can start pointing at little things that probably need to be fixed or whatever that, you know, just anybody can do in any circumstance. But after a while, you know, it just becomes a gripe. And it's not necessarily, you know, I'm not asking anybody to overlook things, but understand that, yes, there are, a lot of things we can make better and that's the one thing that i i think is a, a great culture we have at our airport is we have people that are honestly going out one safety is is always the first thing and that's from the fa tsa any of that they're always looking around making sure that what we have going on is safe uh, because there's very very little room for error in the sky when you get in the sky and something goes bad you come down hard and you don't usually fare very well and so anything we can do in our level to make sure that the rest of the flight experience is where it needs to be is that's paramount and that's that's priority one but just being able to go back and and i've told i've told our staff this in meetings and uh, we try to just maintain this culture is we have nothing's beneath us that's my number one thing and that's just meaning if you're you know we don't have we don't use the term it's not my job um you know last week i you know every year i have to go through um um recertification for security stuff at my own airport it's kind of you know i have one of my employees have to walk me through and make sure right. i know how to do security sweeps at the airport and all this other stuff it's just an annual certification everybody has to go through it's you know a little bit of training and a walkthrough i was doing my walkthrough and one of our toilets was clogged and i went in got the plunger went in fixed it and they're like oh we well, can call someone to do it. i was like no i've got this it's not that i'm trying to showboat anybody but that is exactly what i want everyone right. to do what i don't care what your job is we're going to go out and we're going to do what's good for the better and so um you know that's that's priority one is is you know we are we got the safety part, but we're going to be going out and looking what needs to get done. What, you know, as we walk through the airport, as we walk through, you know, we've got 1,400 acres. There's always something to do. And so there is now that when it takes a little bit of time, um, when we get a new employee, it usually takes about a year for them, their head to stop spinning because there's just so much to do out there. But at some point they get to a point and go, that's not right. I need to fix that. Or that over there needs to be addressed. 
that's when I start getting more of that proactive feedback. And then, of course, that goes to their supervisor. Supervisors filter it out, and then it comes to me. You know, they're going to go, well, okay, so-and-so, thank you for this. This has been like this for 20 years. It's probably not going to get fixed today. Or, you know what, that's a good point. Let's take that to Paul and see if we can find funding or whatever we need to to, to find that. And so, uh, but it is, it becomes now a culture of let's leave it better than we found it. And that's my number two that I always try to remind people. And I think as in general, every day we, we do that and um, we try to reflect. It's, it's hard in a, particularly in a city government setting to uh, celebrate your accomplishments. Usually it's a checkbox and you just go on to the next thing. But we try to, we try to reflect on that a couple of times a year. You, you know, to go back to the uh, cleaning the toilet thing yeah. and getting the toilet unclogged, that does resonate with people. Uh, if people know it, especially if you don't have to brag about it. But uh, uh, Kyle Ray, who will be here on Friday again, but uh, so I can ask him to retell the story. But he tells a story about going to Boone Pickens' house. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a little getaway or whatever. And they have their little, you know, whatever they did in the evening sitting around there. Right. But they had their meal. And then afterwards, uh, it was on the weekend now, they go into the kitchen. And Boone Pickens tells Kyle, I'll wash you dry. Awesome. Yeah. And so they sit there and they didn't have a lot. I think they just had dessert or something like that. But they washed the dishes. And Boone Pickens washed the dishes. There you go. Well, that's something he always remembered, right? Yeah. Because you're setting the example. You're never too good for for whatever the chore might be. So, and I'm sure he had people who could do the dishes. Well, and I think I've told this story uh, here, but uh, one of the guys that works for me, uh, I met at a national conference. Um, met him twice. He was actually from another university. We'll just call it the, the, the Crimson one down south. Mm-hmm. But it was a student, um, and I, one of my roles, uh, I'm a, the national academic relations vice chair, and so I get to interact with college students from all over the country. And so, and he probably doesn't even remember this but i remember we were in um i think it was in boston um at the national conference and him and i were walking down this big convention hall you know just wide open area out in front of the the little meeting rooms and stuff we're just bsing and talking and walking there's a piece of trash on the floor wasn't our convention hall wasn't our trash nobody else really around he kind of sidesteps over picks it up throws it in the trash I remember that right. because, and I, and that is part of, that's the mindset I want. Um, and, and I, I'll, I notice that like, I'll walk through the airport with people and my employees and I'll just kind of side eye and see if I'll see something, I'll see if they address it right. or if I need to. And so it's just that type of stuff. And, and it's not, you know, it's not something that we just, you're not going to get in trouble if you don't do it, but it's like, we want to make sure that that culture and that mindset's there. And so how, you know, it is our job, no matter what our role is, it, it is within our job duties. And, um, you know, I just had a conversation this last week with an employee that he, he made the comment about something about not being his job. And um, I said, well, let's let's look at that. And uh, and we, we had a change of heart really quick. No, I'm right there with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when you lead by example, hopefully they get the example.